Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Sports Talk with Tonsoni. This episode, Bracket U by Delphi Bracketology. We will be sharing a little bit of information about some of the changes that we made this week and some of the teams that are giving us a little difficulty when we place them on the seed list. But first, uh, we're going to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Okay, and we're back now talking a little bit about bracketology here on Bracket U. Every Tuesday, our group of faculty members and students get together. We look at the net rankings, and we try to come up with the best seeding as of the records to date. And there's some few things that we want to talk about heading into your Saturday basketball watching. Our number one seeds are Michigan, Virginia, Kansas, and Tennessee. Kansas is the interesting number one seed. They have a 12 overall net 15-2 and two record, but they have eight group one or quad one wins at this time. The interesting thing about that is the net rankings change on a day-to-day basis. And Kansas had five quad one wins uh, last weekend. How do they get to eight quad wins when they only play one game? Well, teams they've already beaten have been on one side of the cutoff of the NCAA criteria and have moved into a quad one criteria by their good play. So that tells us as fans of certain programs that you want to keep rooting for the teams that you've already played. You want the teams on your schedule to have the highest nets possible so that your record looks good. It's another reason why we like resetting our bracket every uh, two times a week. We totally wipe the slate, the seed list clean. We import the information from warrennolan.com and take a fresh look counting one through 68 with the NCA criteria. And that creates some interesting movement at times. Let's look at our number two seeds. Currently we have Michigan State, Duke, Gonzaga, and Texas Tech. Those are going to hold steady. Texas Tech lost a, a home game, but it was a quad one uh, game. They have, they're three and two in, in quad one, so they hung on to the eighth seed. There's some teams pushing them. North Carolina, Marquette, Oklahoma, and Maryland all have four quad one wins and find themselves on the three seed line and are pushing to move up. But we believe your number one seeds will be out of the top seven teams that are currently ranked on our seed list. An interesting thing about Michigan State, they have six quad one wins after their win at Nebraska on Thursday night. That is the second highest in the entire country. I believe the Spartans are looking to try to crash the number one seed line. But again, we all know that Duke is probably the best team in the country and probably will end up back on the number one seed line. We kept them there for a couple of days uh, because they lost their game against Syracuse on Monday night with some injuries and sickness. But the number of quad one wins for Kansas, the number one uh, quad wins for Michigan State have moved them above Duke uh, at this time, but that there's still a lot of time to go. So an interesting movement from this Tuesday's meeting was that of Iowa State. Iowa State had lost two games, one on the road at Baylor by three, lost a close game at home against Kansas State, who is also in our bracket, and, and two losses found them on the nine seed line because they only had two quad one wins. Well, all of a sudden, they get a big upset on the road at Texas Tech, and they get their third quad one win. 
There are very few teams with three quad one wins. Iowa State is one of them. Louisville has three quad one wins. Iowa, Purdue, Indiana, and Texas are the teams, and Arizona State as well. Those are the only teams with three or more. So we have a bunch of teams seated 14 through 32 that have two quad wins or less. So when Iowa State won its third big game, and we do a reset, we totally wipe the slate clean, and we repost, all of a sudden, Iowa State had moved way up. Their net had moved from the mid-20s all the way up to 16, and their three and three quad one record stood out enough to us to move them to the five line and and then comparing them with some other teams, uh, we moved them up to the 16th overall seed, which is the last number four seed. And you don't feel really solid as a bracketologist moving a team from the ninth seed to a four seed. That seems to be a huge jump based on one game. But when you look overall at Iowa State's record, they're 13 and four, and they have beaten Kansas, one of our number ones, and Texas Tech, one of our number twos, in that 13 and four. And so those wins trump the two close losses that they had leading into the most recent game. So by wiping the slate clean, we try to eliminate recency bias. In other words, Iowa State being a nine, getting a big win, you might try to just move them up one slot or two slots, and they really moved up four or five. The other thing is that is probably seed, the top seed nine is 33, and so 33 to 16 really was their their move. And they just jumped past some teams like uh, LSU, Auburn, Nevada, Nebraska, uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, teams that only have two. Big, huge slate of games on Saturday. We reconvened uh, Monday morning, Sunday night, and totally start anew again. And you can see uh, movement uh, quite a bit in these seed lines, especially what we think is 14 through 34. Your 14th team is a four seed right now, Virginia Tech. Two and one and three and one in the top two quads. Your number 34 team is North Carolina State, one and two and four and oh, and just took a bad loss recently against Wake Forest. They're 14 and three. There is not a whole lot of difference between teams seated 14 overall on the list and 34 on the list. And that is a difference between a four seed and a nine seed. And that is going to fluctuate quite a bit until some teams start getting some separation at 14, 15, 16, 17. Those teams that go on a really good winning streak to add two or three quad one wins will find themselves elevating higher. And some of those teams currently like Indiana, who has lost three in a row, Ohio State, who has lost several in a row, Wisconsin, who has lost four out of five, find themselves dropping a line or two. The good thing for the Big Ten is almost everyone, 11 of their teams would qualify as a quad one road win. And 10 of those, I think, or nine of those teams would qualify as a home quad one win. So the Big Ten will start, I think, gravitating a little bit up, even with some losses uh, to each other uh, because of the opportunities. And that leads us to the conference conversation. Everyone's been down on the Pac-12. Well, the Pac-12 just does not have many opportunities to get quad one wins. The Big Ten is easily the best. 
you're looking at the SEC and the ACC as the next conferences that really have great opportunities to add to their quad one wins. And you're also looking at the Big East, which their best team is a three seed. I believe I'd have to check that. Maybe a five seed in, in or three seed in Marquette, five seed in Villanova. They do not have as many opportunities to build those numbers up. We believe it's going to take four or five quad one wins to get into the tournament. And, and if you look at your team right now and they're sitting at three and four, you might uh, feel pretty good about your team's chances. Let's look at the bubble. And I know from being here in the state of Indiana and in, in a Purdue area and an Indiana alum, the panic that sets in when Purdue is six and five, the panic that's setting in in Indiana that they've lost three in a row. But for those teams to drop out of the tournament playing quality Big Ten, the teams that are out of the tournament currently are um, Florida, who has zero quad one wins, zero six, two and zero, oh, nine and seven overall. Pittsburgh is our second team out. They have one quad one win. Alabama has a nice win against Kentucky. They have two quad one wins, four quad two, but they have three losses in quad three. Clemson, 11 and six, has zero quad one wins. Arizona State does have three. We have them out, but they have a quad four loss and a quad three loss. So those are your top five teams that are out of the bracket where teams like Indiana, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Purdue, who are in the middle of the Big Ten and getting beat up right now, sitting with three, Purdue and Indiana sitting with three quad one wins, Wisconsin, Ohio State with two. They're bound to get a couple more, and I think those teams will get in. Now, if you're fans of those teams, you want to make sure they win more than lose so you can get up in that four, five, six range and get a better first-round matchup. But the object is, first of all, you got to get in the tournament, and we've seen South Carolina come from a seven and and Butler come from an eight. You got to get in, and then you got to play your games. So I think the Big Ten is in a good position to maintain teams in the in the five, six, seven range, uh, even if they get to be close to 500 or 10 and eight in their league. The quality of play in the non-conference has really added to their uh, opportunities. So one of the things, the last thing we're going to talk about on this episode of Bracket U is some outliers. Uh, teams that do not have opportunities. Houston at two quad one wins is not currently in the fourth seed range. Uh, Nevada is a quality team. They have one quad one win, and I think they only have one opportunity to get another quad win the entire season. So how do you rank a team, Houston, who has maybe two or three opportunities? Uh, Houston might have to run the table to get four or five wins. Doesn't mean they're a bad team. They have a high net ranking. Right now, we think those teams are going to fall into the five, six, seven range in typical fashion. Uh, the American Conference has had teams that have had four, five, and six losses uh, in previous years, and they find themselves in that five, six, seven range. And Nevada is going to be a tough team. If they get a low seed because uh, they don't have quad one wins, they're going to be tough. And that reminds me of Wichita State a few years ago when they were the 10th seed playing Dayton and Indianapolis, and everyone thought Wichita State should be a four or a five, and Wichita State beat Dayton and then gave Kentucky, I believe, a run for their money uh, here. I think Nevada's in line to do that. And Buffalo, right now we have them as an eight seed, and they have two quad one wins. And they have a very high net ranking of 14. Uh, 
you feel bad sometimes ranking teams uh, sixth for Nevada, fourth for Houston when you think their resume is a little bit better. But the outliers show that they probably are going to be ranked a little lower than people think they should be. Another team to watch is Kansas State. They they have added a big piece back to their uh, puzzle. They lost a few games uh, when they didn't have their full squad. Right now we have them 33rd at the top nine seed. That is probably too high. Uh, they are one of those teams with two quad one wins, and so we constantly compare them. They very easily could be a seven, eight seed as well. Watch Kansas State. They start racking up some wins. They're going to have a chance to move up just like Iowa State did. North Carolina State has dropped to a nine seed with their loss to Wake Forest. Simply have a horrible strength of schedule, 349 non-conference. That has to be uh, brought into play when you look at these teams. So we hope this gives you a little bit of a, a look at uh, how we do things, uh, some particular teams. We constantly look at this every day to try to make adjustments and bring you the most accurate portrayal of where the tournament might be selected if the season ended today. Please get a hold of us at Delphi Brackets on Twitter or DelphiBracketology.com for some of our written work and all of our podcast and seed lists are on that webpage. Thanks uh, for listening. Now we have a treat. We have a little bit of NFL bracketology as we're down to the final four with Michael Benner and Steve Painter. Take it away, guys. Thanks, Brian. This is Michael Benner along with Steve Painter. How you doing, Steve? Doing great. All right. So we are going to talk about our final four teams in the NFL br bracket of the championship weekend. So first we have the Rams and the Saints. How do you feel about the, the Rams' chances going to the Dome for the third time this season? Uh, well, this, well, this will be their second time. but it's um, And the first time in New Orleans pretty much took care of business, um, really got their offense rolling. I, I think this one's going to be a lot closer. I, you know, the key, the key to victory for the Rams is going to be controlling that clock, getting a similar running game that they had last week against the Cowboys, and, uh, and keeping Breeze and that offense off the field. Uh, if they can do that, that's going to be really key. But what happened in the first game was uh, the Rams struggled to get that game, uh, running game going. The Saints have a good run defense, and it kind of turned into a shootout. And um, and that might end up happening again in, in, in this one, uh, you know, because the Rams' passing game is is very strong as well. Um, I, I think it might go the, the, the way of a shootout. Um, but I, I, I expect a closer game than, than the first one. Yeah, I agree. Especially New Orleans' offense has looked a little wonky at times, suspect. Their defense has been pretty good, especially, again, that uh, some of the turnovers against the magical Nick Foles last week. Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, the Saints' defense really uh, kind of won the game for them. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the Eagles had come out and, and jumped up to a quick 14 nothing start. And then after that, once the Saints' defense kind of woke up, uh, they, they pretty much shut them out. And, um, and they're, they're going to need to play a strong, strong game again um, to, to come out victorious in this one. Um, and, you know, another uh, big difference in this game, though, uh, that really helps the Rams. In the first game, uh, Aqib Tlaib was, was out. And the Rams, um, or um, the Saints, were really able to kind of pick apart uh, their defense. Um, and I know there's been some, some comments back and forth with Sean Payton 
and uh, Marcus Peters because he talked about how the matchup that they love getting against Peters. Uh, Rams are coming out really fired up, looking to redeem themselves in this game. Um, so it, it should be a fun one to watch. Yeah, it will be, <coughs> especially if see if Drew Brees can finally get that second Super Bowl ring in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, that's that will be definitely be the uh, w- one of the headlines. It, 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 these these games are such great matchups. No matter what the matchup's going to be, you're going to have a great storyline um, going, uh, no matter what. But yeah, Breeze going for a second Super Bowl ring will be a big part of that if the Saints can win. Um, and uh, yeah, it it should be. I think it's going to be a close one, um, but uh, it could go either way. But you know, I I lean a little bit towards the Saints. They're so hard to beat. Uh, down in the Superdome, uh, and that, that home field advantage could be the difference. All right, so now we're moving over to the AFC, who will represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. It's between the New England Patriots going into Arrowhead to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. Um, boy, talk about an a interesting matchup. Um, you know, this is all about the, the experience versus the up-and-coming team. Um, and, you know, you've got the experience of Tom Brady, uh, versus, you know, first-year starter Patrick Mahomes. You know, the Saints are – or I'm sorry, the Saints. The Chiefs are a, a three-point favorite. Um, but all the history kind of leans in the, in the Patriots' uh, favor. Um, you, you look at the, some of the playoff records. Um, one thing that I think is key, Tom Brady is 9-0 and in the playoffs versus uh, first-year starters in the playoffs, um, which uh, – that, that, that would not spell uh, things too well for the, for the Chiefs. Another thing is Andy Reid's history in the playoffs is, is not good. He is 1-4 in championship games. Um, and uh, you, you look at the Patriots, pa- uh, Belichick is 8-4 is and four in conference championship games. Um, but, you know, if this game was in Foxborough, it, it would really, really lean towards the Patriots. But the home field advantage is definitely going to help the Chiefs uh, they're going to need it, and they're going to need to get that offense rolling uh, to, to, to win this one. Yeah. What, what are some of your thoughts on this one? Yeah, especially um, during the season when the, Chief, they, the Chiefs and the Patriots both played, they were in Foxborough for that game. Right. So, But this time it's in Arrowhead, so I think how loud Arrowhead normally is is going to give a good advantage towards the Chiefs. But then again, it's all towards experience for Brady, Belichick, all those the, de- the defense is getting somewhat better. They took care of a pretty hot Chargers team last week, and basically they could probably do the same, but the thing is they got to contain Mahomes. And when they played Kansas City in Foxborough, the, the Chiefs had Kareem Hunt that game, and they still lost. They did. They did. Um, but, uh, you know, there are, there's a few, a few changes. Obviously they don't have Kareem Hunt. Um, but Damian Williams has really been a savior for that team. He he's keeping up all the stats that uh, that Hunt. He's maintaining the same kind of stats that Hunt had. Um, another uh, new thing that the Chiefs will have: they did not have Justin Houston, one of their top uh, linebackers, in that game. He'll be back for this one, which will definitely help their chances. Um, so yeah, the the Chiefs are are coming in really confident. They're healthy. Um, Really should have a, a, a good shot, but you know you worry about the Patriots and Belichick. They you know they're kind of a chameleon team. They can they they do the, about the best job of really scheming any team they play, and so uh, you just don't know what they're what they're going to attack and how they're going to look 
uh, week to week. So they, they might have a, a plan to try to, to try to slow down that, that Chiefs offense. And they're gonna have to because the Chiefs offense is just so explosive. Um, you know, I look for the Patriots to get, um, try to get the, the ground game going um, with Sonny Michelle. Uh, he did a good job last week of really c controlling that clock. And that, that's gonna be a key to victory for the Patriots is just uh, maintaining that clock and keeping Mahomes off the field, um, keeping it close, and uh, and uh, and then pulling away with a uh, with a win. But um, you know, easier said than done. That that, that Arrowhead um, experience is is amazing, and those Chiefs uh, they're, they're going to be amped up for this one. Um, it, it, they're going to be a tough team to beat. All right. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the. NFL podcast. Uh, we'll send it back to Tonsoni to cover more of the brackets. Thanks, guys. It's been an interesting year in the NFL. Looking forward to a couple of good games on Sunday after the snow hits us here in central Indiana. We appreciate Michael Benner, who's a senior here at Delphi Community High School, and Steve Painter, who is a member of our faculty in the math department. Two uh, awesome guys who love their NFL football have been bringing a great insight all year. I'm sure we'll have one more episode when they preview the Super Bowl. And hopefully, from my vantage point, that's the Rams and the Chiefs and an offensive game uh, shootout in the Super Bowl. So this will do it for this episode of Sports Talk with Tonsoni, a special Bracket U where we talk some basketball and a little bit of NFL. For Steve Painter, Michael Benner, I'm Brian Tonsoni saying so long and happy sports watching.